said it before we're the experts we are the experts <laughs> and this is the experts of potpourri <laughs> that all that mean okay an expert's potpourri what does this mean we pick a random well we don't pick a word the random word generator provides us with one yeah and then we tell we like take it as a suggestion we tell each other stories inspired by that word yeah we get inspired and before every other word was like blackmail or like something well van was pretty like i don't know weird i guess van we kind of was a bit of a stretch yeah van was our first one and we did palace um and and black blackmail yeah this week we're doing something a little bit different the suggestion was request Yes, we have been requested to talk about a request. Which is yeah. hard. I thought that was hard. Yeah, because yeah, it's like, huh, it requires you to be a little bit more creative. Yeah. And to really think about what this, what, what it means. Yeah, we were texting each other the other day, and we were both a little bit stumped. Yeah. And I feel like I had a breakthrough after our, our chat. I feel like I did too. I think you, I think yours was great. Thanks. Should I go first? Well, I guess so. Cause I went first last time, right? Yeah. We're going to alternate. I feel like we should just go alternate. Yeah. 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 I think that that's awesome. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So for the, the topic of request, I have chosen to talk about, uh, last meals. Oh my God. Um, a last meal, of course, is what an inmate, uh, a condemned inmate orders, um, before their execution. And I'm obsessed with this, by the way, what's that? I'm obsessed with this topic. I feel like it's one of those questions, you know, you ask your friends, like when your kids or something, like what would you, when you even hear the idea of it, like what would your last meal be? Yeah. What would it be? Um, I don't know. I feel like we had those kind of conversations in my house with my family. <laughs> I, I did too. And I don't want to like get into it before you get into it, but I feel like you're always like have these like really like lofty last meals, but then the actual last meals are like just what they can. Well, you just tell it. I'm going to tell you. Okay. So I wanted to look into like the historical context of it. Like where, where does the idea of it, um, even come from and uh why is it a tradition that we value like 
why is it important for inmates to have a last meal? Because it's a very like, it's a very human thing. It's like the last human gesture that they get. It's an acknowledgement of their humanity um, right before it gets taken away from them. And uh, general consensus is that it actually goes back to Jesus Christ, you guys. Holy shit. It does feel very ceremonial. Yeah, it is. Uh, that word comes up over and over again. I, I tried to like get a lot of different, um, I like read a lot of different articles and it, yeah, the, the ceremony of execution uh, also puts it in a different, just like the practice of execution sort of in a different um, context. Like uh, this is something that people have been doing, you know, since there was a civilization. Um, <sighs> I, we're beasts. We are. We, we are we yeah we are beasts we don't stop killing each other we just like ritualize it and love and somebody has moral high ground um what i said disgusting yes i hate the death penalty that's like the thing i hate the most in the world i i hate it too and i think that um it's totally uncivilized and you i mean you you read through this uh yeah there, there's just it's barbaric. It's totally barbaric. And at the same time, you know, you think about somebody like the Golden State Killer or Ted Bundy, and it's like, aren't we better off without them? Well, Golden State Killer is getting life because he confessed. We Ted don't. Bundy is the one, and I'm so sorry, but Ted Bundy is the only person where I'm like, I don't know what else you would do about Ted Bundy because he like, could not be jailed and he kept breaking out and killing more people like he escaped twice and both times he went on murder rampages Ugh. so it's like what do you do with he's like hannibal lecter yeah you 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 have to uh, i feel like it should be such a rare thing that it's one of those things that like as a society you're like well we don't want to do this but you know yeah, this person will break out of prison and go on a mass killing spree. Like, like they can't pain. Their only directive is to kill. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, once in a hundred years. Once in a hundred, exactly. Yes. Uh, it's so Jesus. You know, before uh, he he had his famous Last Supper. Famously, he dined with twelve of his closest BFFs. Okay. <laughs> he had bread. He had wine. He washed their feet. He was hanging out, having fun, uh, knowing that he was going to die. One of these articles I read was like very Christian. They're like, um, the last meal symbolizes a prisoner making peace with their executioners, breaking bread with them in the same way that Christ invited Judas to the Last Supper. But you don't have a choice. You don't get to say like, hey, like I'm going to do this for you. They're forcing you to do it. Your executioners are like, break bread with us and get, and absolve us of the sin that we're committing. A hundred percent. And like Judas arguably was Jesus's most faithful apostle. I mean, we're talking about no. prophecies. We're talking about, it's all nonsense. 
So like um, the American judicial system wants to be like Judas in the Jesus story. Is that where they're coming? I mean, I just don't get it. I'm sorry. I'm mad now. <laughs> thinking about it. I'm sorry that we've already started off so controversially. Sorry, but I've already Good blast off, please blast pop off, blast off. Um uh yeah, God, the American judicial system is Judas in this scenario. Yeah. Just the the ultimate betrayer. Um, okay, so it, like you said, like it's an opportunity to for the people who are jailing them or like about to murder them for them to feel good about themselves. In medieval Europe, it was believed that well-fed prisoners could be executed without fear of them returning as a ghost. And the quality, <laughs> I know it. <laughs> the quality of their final meal was uh, believed to like influence how satisfied they were with their death. So if like their food and drink was good quality, they'd be less likely to haunt their executioners. If they had bad meals, they thought that their prisoners would return as malevolent spirits. Um, tormenting the people involved with their death so just something to consider um state by state there's different rules about uh last meals there's budgets that are in place the most expensive meals are found in florida where they have a generous budget of 40 dollars. well but is that also where they do the most executions I think it is. I think it'd probably either be like there or Texas would be my guess. Well, I'm going to get to Texas in a second. Um, Oklahoma budget. Do you want to take a guess? $12. 15. Assholes. Assholes. Why bother? <laughs> I mean, I would be like, fuck you. <laughs> Actually, I'll get like three happy meals. <laughs> Well, there's a guy, there's a, a guy who famously, um, his name was Victor Fugger. He was hanged in 1963 and he requested a single olive. I know about that. Isn't that weird? I think it had something to do with like the pit. Yes. He wanted the, an olive with the pit. And then he asked that the pit be placed in his shirt pocket before he was buried. And it uh, has to do with like his belief system that the pit symbolized rebirth whatever yeah i mean whatever comfort you get in those final moments okay so texas was um now in general like the idea of the last meal is like a courtesy it's more of a tradition more of like an acknowledgement of humanity it's not a law texas made it a law um and then in 2011 they abolished last meal requests so all death row inmates in Texas after 2011 were just given normal um, prison food. So they were like, we don't even care about yeah. yeah, breaking bread or whatever. Like you don't get a last meal. No. And when you think about like how conservative Christian Texas is and if like you believe in jesus christ uh and his like state-sponsored execution for being a political dissident like that his there's like a whole holiday dedicated to his last meal mm. it's pretty fucking bold that they would just say abolish them 
Well, there's like a huge disconnect between a lot of people in America who consider themselves to be Christians and then act in these like truly grotesque, abhorrent, violent ways. Like I, I don't understand it. I don't think they understand it. I think that they're, um, I think that they're in the like Jesus plus nothing cult. Do you know about that? No, what's that? Jesus plus Okay, nothing? I'm sorry. I just, there's this documentary on Netflix <laughs> that I watched. Plus nothing? Um, yes. And it's about this, um, I'm sorry, I'm like Google, frantically Googling this as I a, it's called you. The Family. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's about this like weird cult of like Ivy League white 20-year-old guys who moved to Washington, D.C. and work for, like, conservative Christian, like, evangelical, like, whatever, senators, congressmen. And they, were, they like, scrub their toilets and they do this, like, menial work. And um, they, like, they rake their lawns. Like, they do all this shit for them for free. Meanwhile, they're, like, studying to be the next generation of, like, powerful white Christian men in America and their whole philosophy is Jesus plus nothing. They have like a pamphlet. They, they're obsessed with Jesus, but they reject the Bible. They reject everything. They're like, the only thing you need is Jesus because Jesus, it's like the ultimate bargaining chip where it's like, if we can agree on this, that like what we're doing is Christian and Jesus, like for Jesus, then we can put, we can basically do anything we want. I don't understand. I don't understand what Jesus plus nothing means. Like as an equation, like what are they saying? What do you mean Jesus plus nothing? I don't, I don't understand. I think like it, all they need is Jesus. I think it means that they don't have to think about anything that they're doing. If they take on the identity of like righteous Christians, then there is no, then there's no, then morality doesn't apply to them because they're absolved through Jesus. So if they have that, they don't have to worry about their humanity or other people or any of the actual like positive teachings you might get from the Bible. All they have to worry about is succeeding because they are doing it for, presumably for Jesus. Well, I, I hope, um, I hope Jesus is listening. I do too. <laughs> uh, something tells me that he's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but for my last meal, I better have some booze. Oh my God. I know. It's like you can't even, because no one gives you that, right? No, they're not allowed. It's like generally not. Permitted. You know, you read about like um, uh, executions from like the 20s or 30s or whatever, or I guess like not during prohibition. Although there are cases of people during prohibition, like getting something in, but they would like give people a smoke. They would like give them some bourbon. Because it's like, yeah, you're facing your death. Usually they would give uh, cigarettes before a firing squad. Yeah, that's like the famous, I mean, that's in like all the Looney Tunes and stuff. 
Right. <laughs> God, you always forget. I I don't know. Maybe you maybe you don't, but Looney Tunes not afraid to get dark. Oh, Looney Tunes was. I mean, now it would be like for adults. <laughs> Do you see the trigger warnings on like shows? Um, it'll be like uh, terror or um, like distressing. What 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 is it? Uh, I saw something that was like danger. It was like a kid's cartoon. I saw one that had danger, but for kids' shows. For kids' Yeah. Shows. What? I don't know. No. Show them old Looney Tunes. Show them old Looney Tunes. Leave out some freaky books that they shouldn't have their hands on and then get mad at them that they looked at it, but don't talk to them. That's how you do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I almost went on another detour. <laughs> <laughs> those are my favorite kind of detours yeah <laughs> uh there was a murderer named gary, gary gilmore um it, he was killed in 1977 he was allowed to have three shots of jack daniels with a hamburger baked potato hard-boiled egg and coffee that sounds good except for the hard-boiled egg yeah yeah be, put like a like a mm, soft fried egg on top of the burger or like, I would trade it for like a brownie, like dessert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a nice piece of chocolate cake. Yeah. Um, okay, I found something very interesting as well in my research. Did you know that there are wardens who eat with the inmates before they're killed? Uh, no. Are you Googling it right now? No, <laughs> I'm Googling something else. Sorry, I was Googling something else that I wanted to ask you about. Anyway, no, what is it? Um, okay, well, uh, notably, this guy resigned in 2016 because he was an embezzler, but he was a Louisiana warden named Burl Kane. And um, because of like his Christian good faith, he would routinely invite condemned prisoners to eat their last meal with him and invited guests. Like, he's hosting a dinner party. I mean, I don't know what invited guests mean, but I, I, I'm just going to think the worst. Kane still supervises the execution, but he extends the invitation to the prisoner, and the inmate is not obligated to accept. I'm making a face, and I'm not saying anything, because I'm too... Disturbed? Stopped. Disturbed. It's just... So... I, I'm sorry. I have to talk because we're on a podcast. I'm just upset by this idea. I mean, on the one hand, it's like, is that your last chance to see your family? If you're like, we have to have this dinner with the guy who's going to kill me. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that works. There's not a lot of, um, do you get to say goodbye to like your loved ones? I hope so. That is, that, that wasn't part of the, I didn't look, I didn't look that up. I, didn't I mean, I guess it's not really a part of the last meal thing, but I just, that's never like a part of it that you hear about. Like, I just don't know. Cause I know that like people get to go and watch and, and stuff. The victim's family watches and the, your family can watch if they want. Yeah. They need that that closure or I, yeah. 
there was another uh, deputy warden, uh, Lorenz Schmuel, who uh, in 1938 dined with a murderer named John D. Smith at sundown and then electrocuted him just after midnight. I just feel like you, there's something sociopathic about it. I was just going to say the exact same thing that you have to be a sociopath to do that. Like to eat dinner with someone and then kill them. I mean, <laughs> if you change the circumstances, you would know that was a sociopath, but because they wear a badge, people are like, Oh, this is complicated. Or like, they're a good Christian man or like they're a law enforcement man. They work on behalf of the state. How could they possibly be a bad person? Like, in any other circumstance, you would know that that was a sociopath. Exactly. And it's not like, um, I don't know, it's not like some tradition of, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going, I'm going hunting for food and I, I'm, I want to like respect this animal and like look at this animal and thank it for its life before it. This is not that kind of situation. And I think any comfort that these people get in like yeah some kind of moral high ground some kind of like christian superiority is um i i don't see it yeah there's nothing actually necessary about it i mean usually there isn't usually by the time people are actually executed they've been on death row for decades they've yeah. been in jail for prison rather for decades they are at that point, completely institutionalized, not a threat to anybody. It it's it famously costs more to execute someone than to put them in jail for life. Yes. It's 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 just about dominance. I think it's just about dominance. I don't even think it's about revenge. No. Um, yeah, it's not a deterrent. It's no. not, um, yeah. And it's not like, it like reminds people constantly that like the state has the ultimate authority. And if it wants to, it can even kill you. If you really fuck up, the government can kill you. It's just like, don't forget, we have total control over you. Yeah. Comply or perish. And that's obviously the thing is that it's like only in it's like only in the um, like it's only for the worst people, at least allegedly, because innocent people have been executed in America. Yeah, there's um, a lot of oh, many, many cases. The Innocence Project is like an entire organization that is made to help clear people's names like yeah innocent people get put in jail they get executed it all happens but like yeah the thought of this fucking burl cane uh sitting down to eat a last meal with the i think it's it's just so sick yeah um oh. what I was just thinking about how, like, when people get out of jail, when people get parole for really horrible crimes, a lot of the time they have to admit that they did it, even if they didn't, that they have to apologize and show remorse, you know, yeah. 
to show that they've grown. And sometimes it's like this catch 22 where they're like, I didn't do it. How can I be remorseful for this thing? I'm not guilty of doing. And they have to do it anyway. People having to plead guilty for crimes they didn't commit so that they can get, um, like it happens like in lesser sentences too, where people have to plead guilty to crimes that they didn't commit so that they can get lighter sentences or whatever. Yes. It makes me think of like in 1984, which is like the most over-referenced book of all time, but, but still relevant and the whole thing when he gets into the when he's like with that guy and he's like getting tortured at the end and he has to like the point of it isn't um that he will like comply or do anything like the point of it is that he will like believe what they're telling him and he'll like believe it and he'll do what they say like it's all about compliance and like true compliance not um not performative compliance like actually believing what they're saying and like when they kill you you'll be thankful for it yes and i think um because they uh he's afraid of rats more than anything and they put the mask on him with the the cage that has the rats in it that like go into his face like about to gnaw his face off yeah. and when they finally take it off of him i think the it's like either the end or like close to the end it's like it was true he loved big brother like it's not enough to just participate it's it's requiring active participation and love belief faith love in this thing that doesn't have your best interest in mind it only wants to you know support itself yeah yeah in the end they set him free he gets to go back and he's like he knows at some point they're gonna kill him and he doesn't care yeah and he's just like the and he's just completely happy and content and he finally gets killed and he's like it's like the last moment is like the bullet entering his head and he's like he loves he you know whatever he loves big brother like he's like it's yeah I'm sorry I brought up Big Brother. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm like, this is like a podcast sponsored by like Reason Magazine or something. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> no, it's a good, it's a good book. <laughs> I mean, it's just what it makes me think of. Yeah, it's, a, I, I think it's hard not to, it's hard not to think about that. Um, when, when, when you look at um, stories about the justice system and uh obviously everything that's going on now i mean you know uh they don't they they want extreme compliance yes. um do you want to hear about some notable final meals yes i'm sorry i keep talking during your thing why are you sorry this is a conversation i want you to talk it's good okay. it's good i like it All okay right. um Here's an, here's like an over the top meal. This is, uh, by a man named, ordered by a man named, or should I say requested mm -hmm. Henry Clay. He was killed on, uh, May 19th, 1960. And this was before they really like put a lockdown. He got a dinner and a supper. And here's what he got. Mm -hmm. Barbecue chicken with sauce, French fries, salad, bread rolls, butter, strawberry shortcake with whipped cream, four packs of cigarettes, coffee, milk, and sugar. Supper, 
was lobster, salad, butter and bread rolls, ice cream, a box of chocolate, candy, four cigars, two glasses of cola, coffee with milk and sugar. My mouth is watering. <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> Henry Flick. That's good. It is. Do you want to hear about John Wayne Gacy's? Yes. He got fried chicken, fried shrimp. So what is that? A little surf and turf? Yeah. French fries and fresh strawberries. Mm, doesn't sound half bad. No. Ted Bundy? What did he get? He declined a special meal. Of course he did the fucker. Fuck him. He's the most, he's such a dick. Of course he did. I hate Ted Bundy, obviously. That's not a... <laughs> um, yeah, he just got like whatever they gave to everybody. Yeah, uh, of course. Like steak and eggs. and Yeah, you know why? Because, oh, steak and eggs, yes. That's the traditional final meal. And if you decline your meal, I think that's what they give you. I think I read that. Yes. Because he was such a piece of shit that there was no way that he was going to give them like, I'd like something and allow them to, he was such a manipulator. Like he knew down to the last minute, like how to like, just get to win, to get any little win he could get. He didn't, it was all he cared about. I hate him. Aggie, let me ask you this question because you and I have never talked about this. Okay. Do you think that Ted Bundy was hot? Okay. Um, look. I think Zac Efron as Ted Bundy, like cosplaying as Ted Bundy is like the hottest thing ever. <laughs> I think that, that I, literally Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy is hot to me. Ted Bundy. Uh, look, <laughs> no, I don't think that he was hot. I don't actually think he was hot. If he was just a random guy on the street, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, who is that? I think that Ted Bundy has become like a legend that plays into like the psychosis of women, certain women. Please go on. Well, it's like when we like read like Justine and stuff. I mean, it's like just yeah. the idea of like, he's like the ultimate sadist. And there is, there are some women who are like the ultimate masochists. And there's definitely like a gender you know, there's a gender role in that whole fucking thing sometimes. Not always. Everybody does their own thing, but that exists. And some girls are like, Ted Bundy, cut my tits off. No one is like, Ted Bundy, cut my tits off. And I truly hate Ted Bundy. I think that he's a despicable person. I just, I feel, the thing is with Ted Bundy, that's like really, really fucked up. And it says more about like the men that I've dated than about Ted Bundy. But it's like, I feel like I get him. <laughs> Where I'm like, I get, not in a way that I'm like, I understand him, but in a way that I'm like, I know 
his moves. I know what he's doing. He's just a fucking sexual sadist who hates women. And I feel like there's so many guys like that out and about, but they're just not as crazy as Ted Bundy. I feel like Ted Bundy is like every guy that's gotten like me too to the last five years or like every like cool guy who like fucks every girl, but then treats her like shit, but like taken to the logical extreme of that. Yeah. I think, yeah. And that might not even be actually true. He's probably really like a, just a plain Jane psychopath loser. Cause he's not, he's not like a ladies man or whatever. Like he was a murderer. He's a psycho. But I think in like the public imagination, which is something we've talked a lot about, like how murderers are like, are perceived in the public imagination. I think that's sort of what he became. So when people are like, there's a sexual edge Ted Bundy, but it's not like actually about Ted Bundy. It's about like how women are treated in general and like what what that means. That's a that's a really good point. A very complicated, a long answer. No, it's, 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 it's a complicated. Um, it's a complicated question. I. It's yeah. Uh, and I think that you uh, brought up some good points. I personally do not find him hot. I I don't. Uh, he's like um, I don't know. He looks like Justin Thoreau's like stand-in or something. Yeah, in real life, he's this like weird, like beady-eyed, beady-eyed, like- curly hair, like, and he's always got this like. He seems like one of those guys who like smiles when they're mad. Yes. You know what I mean? He's got that I energy. Exactly what you mean. Where it's you know, like, I'm I looking at pictures of him and it's freaking me out. He's a freak, dude. He's a fucking freak. Oh my God. Did you watch that Zach Efron movie? I did not actually. But you're making me kind of want to watch it. I have to say, I fucking loved it. It really got panned. Everybody hated it. I think no one was like, I think they thought that it like, glamorized him too much and just the idea of Zac Efron playing him was like offensive to people which 100% I get that but I loved it I I'll check it out it's on Netflix right oh yeah it's a Netflix original baby (laughs) Um, you want to know what Timothy McVeigh ate yes Timothy McVeigh Executed in 2001, he had a final meal of two pints of chocolate chip ice cream. You know, I think I've heard that before. Do you want to hear what Saddam Hussein ate? He got a last meal? He did get a last meal. What? I thought he got dragged out of that hole and just executed. He was given permission to eat his favorite meal before his death in 2006. What was it? Boiled chicken and rice with several cups of hot water with honey. Okay. Not what I I would have picked, but. No, me neither. But I love rice. Yeah. I mean, it's a, that's a lean meal right there. That's like a dieter's dream. Boiled chicken and rice with hot water and honey. I mean. Oh my God. Call Tracy Anderson and brag to her about what you did, Saddam. <laughs> okay, I have one more last meal for you. Okay. 
Eileen Warnos. Oh my God, what? She declined a final meal, but instead asked for a single cup of coffee. God bless her. I <laughs> I know. Doesn't that break your heart? Is that that like? It doesn't break my heart at all. It's just that's exact. Of course she did. I. So I don't want even want to say what I think about Eileen Wernos because it's even worse than what I think about Ted Bundy. You mean better? I don't know. All right. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say about Eileen Warnos. We've talked about her a lot over the years. I mean, I've just always been, I mean, declining a last meal and just having a cup of coffee is just so fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, did we watch that Broomfield documentary about, about her, the life and death of Eileen Warnos? Yes. It's, um, I think that it's of the movies of his that I've seen. I think it's the best. Yeah, which he's, you know. Yeah. We're gonna I do just, a whole series on him one day. We've talked about that. We have talked about it. Um, I, uh, but that that one is about her um, kind of giving up the fight to appeal her execution, just being like, life has been hard, this sucks, I'm out. She like, was like, I wanna die now. She was, yeah. she was like, committed suicide basically i mean if if she had a true will to live i think she could have fought it i think you're right about that but uh i don't think that we were there socially and i think that if it was today it would be a, a totally different thing and i think that the general public still has a very um uh misinformed idea of her and I, yeah, I don't know. She's just such a tragic figure. Do you think her being not like, she's like, so Eileen Mornos is like not conventionally attractive. Yes, I think that that definitely impacts how people see her because her toughness and I think that she's on the taller side. She's like, I mean, this is a girl who like, by what age 12 was living in the woods um out, because like her grandparents kicked her out like and like prostituting herself for yeah, like revival i mean that life is like written all over her and it like she's just like a walking callus in a way and it's hard to i think that we want women who are victims to um look like they need some kind of saving and I think she just wanted to be left alone and it's I think that that has a, a huge impact on what happened to her and how people see her yeah I wonder if it had like I don't know I wonder if it had because I also think that like when women murder people and they are conventionally attractive like that becomes its own type of spectacle but this was she was just like publicly hated I think yeah it's like she was the most kind of disposable person it's where like someone like um what's her name I'm blanking Casey um Casey oh my god yeah. Casey Anthony top mom 
top mom, Nancy Grace called her top mom, is like a cold-blooded killer. And she made up this like crazy bullshit story that like she was molested or something. And then the jury felt so sorry for her. They were like, oh, you're acquitted. Where, I mean, Eileen Wernos was fucking molested and she was being molested her entire life and no one saw her as a victim. Yeah, she just didn't have like the the right kind of like social signaling to you know play the game like it's all it's all game playing to a certain extent like she was basically a feral she she was she wasn't raised like she had to fend for herself and you know when you're indoctrinated into a violent life like sometimes you just snap i um i have a great t-shirt that i got from some artist on instagram i know what it is and i've almost bought it so many times it's a picture of her with her handcuffs like around her neck and she's in her scrubs and it says I'm with her. I can't believe you have that. I knew I have literally been on Etsy staring at it. Like, can I buy this shirt? I want this shirt. Where would I wear this shirt? And I never pulled the trigger. Where have you worn it? I wore it to work. <laughs> there was something I was going to with Griffin and I was like is is this too aggressive and he was like yes it's too aggressive for where we're going like I did the same thing I was like I showed Brian and I was like can I buy this and he was like no and I was like okay shouldn't have asked because if you have to ask are you really with her no (laughs) you're not it's true uh, you know, it's good to read the room, but at the same time, I am with her. I I support <laughs> I support sex workers who are just trying to defend themselves. Me too. I'm gonna buy it right now. Good, you should. Okay, can I just tell you about two more quick things? Yes, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. It's great. Um, uh, they're just like related art projects. There's a photographer named Jay Rayner who made a book of photographs of uh, last meals, and that's the is- thing I was googling it's they're they're great and i think like that's the thing to see all those pictures and you see like henry flakes with his dinner and his supper and just like the abundance and you know i'm gonna um squeeze the system for whatever i can in this last moment uh versus just a one single cup of coffee um it it it, like it really makes a statement a powerful statement so look that up jay rayner's book and then while I was looking this up, I found myself on a blog called soyummy.com. And the blog post was, um, I, let me see if I, I still have it pulled up. Uh, <laughs> this is so crazy. I want to do a screen share with this so that you can see how, how bonkers this is. Can you? Yes, I can. Can you see it? M- oh my God, this is depressed. This is- It's crazy. Up. Okay, so this is, it's like a lifestyle blog and this post, it looks like um, like any other like recipe, like mommy bloggy kind of thing. 17 most extravagant last meals on death row. And then it's like food preferences saying so much about us. And then it goes through oh and it's God. like, number one, Oscar Ray Bolin Jr. What did he have? 
lemon meringue pie. And here to punctuate it is an Insta a curated Instagram image of lemon meringue pie. And then but for all of them, lemon meringue pie is not the lemon meringue pie that he got. It's like, they're showing like the most ideal version of this, like beautiful, like tart thing that he, we've all seen a diner lemon meringue pie or something. Yeah. And it's just like the intersection of, um, curated Instagram food posts and like death row inmates last meals just makes this whole thing so impressively tone deaf and fucking insane. I was trying to figure out if this was like a satirical piece, but like this would be on like click hole or something. Yeah. That's that's why it's like that's what this that's the only way that this is okay <laughs> yeah because you know what it's like honing in it doesn't know what it's doing but it's like a shark looking for identity which is like the bread and butter of getting clicks on the internet is like appealing to individual identities and like they're like oh the la and your last meal is like your last moment of humanity like the last moment that you get to make a choice so they're like seeing the identity of it and they have no choice but to exploit it because like that's what we do on the internet is like exploit identities that's it and uh yeah and, and we make it look cute and make it look cute which it's fucking not no it's not at all well that's what i had that's my uh take on request last meals yeah. do you know what your last meal would be i think about it sometimes and i think i i know that you have to pick like some places like it has to be something they can make anyway or like have the budget from a local place i mean without alcohol it's really hard to say but i think i might pick spaghetti and meatballs that's good yeah i, I think i'm pizza pizza i love pizza but you know they bring you some shitty pizza oh yeah. there was one more guy i wanted to tell you about um he was a tennessee inmate his name is philip workman and he was in uh prison for uh killing a police officer during a robbery in the early 80s and uh he was executed in Tennessee and his final request was that a vegetarian pizza be distributed to any homeless person person in Nashville. God bless him. That was in 2007. His request was denied. Of course, fuck him. But local groups uh, decided to fulfill his wishes it's, and donated pizzas to homeless shelters in his name. It's always the people. It's always. never the state. <laughs> Sorry, but I mean, come on. No, it's true. Whatever. Well, that was great, Irene. Thank thanks, you. Maggie. Thank you. I feel like, like we, we talked about that for so long. We did? Me. Did we? I don't know. How long has it been? I, I guess that's, we have talked for a while. Should I do mine anyway, or should I wait? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do mine. Okay. Good. Okay, 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 okay. So... I'm kind of nervous about mine because I feel like mine isn't quite as well researched as yours really, but it's something that I like know about. So I'm just going to tell you about it. So like we said, the topic was request. 
And so when I was thinking of requests, like all I could think of and couldn't get in my head was like friend request, friend request. And I'm like, what? I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not going to talk about Facebook, but like, I couldn't stop thinking about like the internet. Like when I think of requests, all I can think of are like all of the like agreements that I click on, the terms of agreement, whatever. And like, I think you brought up a little bit last week. You were like, I'm obsessed with the internet right now. All I think about is the internet and like watch documentaries about it. Yes. And I, I have, have, I'm even watching movies. I watched the enemy of the state of the state the other day. I am like in the internet zone. I'm a hacker now. I'm a hacker now too, dude. I've gone fully bonks about this stuff. And like, there are these books and movies that I've been watching that are like, well, reading and watching that are like, honestly too complicated for me to get into like this isn't what it is like this isn't what I'm talking about right now but it's like I was I'm like I can't read during quarantine I haven't read a single book since quarantine started front to cover or like front to back I haven't been able to focus but I'm like very slowly making my way through this book called the age of surveillance capitalism by what's her name Shoshana Zuboff Ooh. And oh Irene, you would like it. It's I'm writing this down on my list. Put it on the list, girl, because it is up your alley. It is all about how we have basically it's about how with social media and with like internet companies, the human is the commodity. Like with Instagram. The reason all this shit is free. is and we know it but it's like just more detailed about it i guess the we are we're the product we are the product yeah they're mapping us out and they know so much about you from how you use these services from how you click on things from how you you know how you use it you don't even have to share stuff just based on what you're just on their, like your scrolling pattern they can tell things about you um and then the new Adam Curtis documentary, Hypernormalization, is a hot topic these days. Did you watch that? Yes, I did. It's from a few years ago. It's from a few years ago. It's new to me, but it's like kind of about the same thing, but a little bit different. Anyway, so I was like, I can't say anything about the internet either, especially because like we're in quarantine. We're all like locked in these bubbles. The only, like everything. Where you're going with this? <laughs> everything in our life is like, all online literally 100% we're recording this online we're talking this is being released online and we're recording it through we're like talking to each other online I get all of my food delivered from like an online app I get my medicine I schedule doctor's appointments I buy all of my clothes I communicate with my family 100% of my life is about the internet and I'm like why is this what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about requests and it's because the internet (laughs) and more specifically companies that are really large on the internet have requested that I give them all of my information and I give it to them willingly, my fingerprint, my credit card information, everything about me. They know everything about me. They know where I am. They have my location services. They have my social security. They've got everything. They got it all. They got it all baby. And it made me think about this documentary that I saw when I was 
I don't know, in my twenties and I, we watched it together and I've been obsessed with it for a long time. And it's about this guy named Josh Harris. And the documentary is called we live in public. Whoa. So Josh Harris is this guy who was sort of a visionary. He, he, are you going to ask a question? Yeah. I wanted to know what platform you watched it on. I watched it on Amazon. <laughs> is it streaming on the prime? I had to pay for it. It was like three bucks. I love it. Mm. When we, when you and I watched it, we got it from the DVD from Netflix. If I recall. Yeah. I mean, I've only ever, and I don't know the first time I've only ever gotten it through like whatever internet companies. Um, but this guy, Josh Harris was like an early adapter. Like he got the internet early, early. So like he was part of like the first nineties, like dot-com boom, which like people forget about probably people who are younger, like don't even really know about it. But like in the nineties was like when like the first wave of like the Silicon Valley millionaires were happening but it was totally different from what happened now. So like now people like Mark Zuckerberg or whatever, like Elon Musk, all these, whatever, Jeff Bezos, these people have like established these monopolies and are like legitimate, like untouchable billionaires. But at the time it was very new and they were all getting written about like, who are these young kids who are like doing the internet or whatever, like what's happening. But in like it lasted for like a year and then they all went bankrupt essentially but he was one of those guys so he had this company called pseudo which was in new york and it was like an online tv station which obviously again to us now sounds like whatever like who gives a shit but like at the time that was like insane because streaming didn't work then it was like it would be like buffering and like look really shitty and like people are everybody knows what i'm talking about it looked like shit you couldn't like watch tv on it really but he had it took forever to lo load a picture of pornography yes it took forever to load a picture of you're like asl Yes. And he did have like porn. I think he had like sex stuff on there too, whatever. But he, but it was like, so the, the thing that he didn't have that I think like changed for like later generations was, well, the technology hadn't caught up to where his vision was. And also, um, it didn't have the accessibility where like now it's popular because literally everybody can do whatever they want on the internet. Like, <laughs> as evidenced by this podcast, <laughs> like you can do whatever, like everyone has the technology to do this stuff. But at the time, like it was still, like you had to go to a studio, he hired people to make these shows. And it had this very like young kind of like MTV vibe. There was like a gaming stream he had, he had a whole thing about like, whatever, like all different genres, like sports, whatever. Like he had like all the genres on there. And um, 
it got really big. And I think at his height, he was worth $80 million. He went public. He's like the super millionaire. Everyone's like, okay. And this pseudo thing, it's like a couple of celebrities went on it. Like in the documentary, they show like Eminem on it and stuff like, like, it's just like, like making whatever appearances, but it's not like, I mean, I definitely would never have watched something like that. Cause I would have been like, this is going to be stupid. Was this the uh, thing that he did with his girlfriend too? Where no, that like the first one. Him? No, this is just like this is like Wait earlier. Uh, what? Way earlier. Yeah, the thing he did with his girlfriend was late. Way later. I'm not even talking about that really. Oh. So he he did. This was like before any of that. This was like how he made his money. And it was more like what year was that? It was yeah pseudo, and it was very like it was in New York in the 90s the whole thing had this very sort of like club kid aesthetic like this like techno 90s hipster thing which I never really liked but whatever and he became like really active in that scene and he was going to these parties and he was very like he seemed like he would be like he was like a Michael Alec type person (laughs) I always thought like he's very like in that sort of world yes and he started to come to work and like go to business functions and stuff as this character called levy the clown which was this grotesque clown that talked in this high squeaky like oh squeaky voice like this and it was like super unpleasant it wasn't funny it wasn't good it looked insane and he would be like meeting with like investors and shit dressed like this thinking that was like you know where he was going and I don't know okay so this is where I'm starting to be like I don't know if this guy is like a bad artist (laughs) or a crazy person but he's one or the other because I think when people make art and it's not good they seem insane do you know what I mean like bad art seems like you're it's like kind of scary but it's like they're not really crazy they're just not good at what they're doing so it's like I don't really know I think he was like a little bit of both because he's like definitely like was like doing drugs and he was just in these like he was going to these like cool 90s like club kitty type of parties like the kind of thing that like Chloe Sevigny would go to or something like he was just like in this world and um he whatever he was like getting sort of like pushed out of pseudo because he's like acting crazier and crazier i'm sure he's on a ton of drugs and he's like okay i'm gonna do this massive art project because i have a vision for the future his first art project is this like terrifying music video that he made it's in this documentary where it's just like these computer generated people and their heads are all tvs and they're singing this horrific they look like teletubbies kind of And they're singing this horrific song that's like, cleanse my mind, cleanse my mind. And like, that's all they're saying over and over again. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? But he had this vision of the future where he was like, I know that in the future, the internet is going to be a part of everybody's life. Everyone is going to put themselves on the internet. They're going to expose themselves 100%. And they are going to trade everything for attention. He like saw this happening and he 
but the thing is, I think that he really liked it. Like, I think that if he was our age now, or if he was this age now, he would be like super online on Twitter all day, streaming YouTube, Twitch stream, Instagram, like he'd be everywhere. Like he would be on every single platform, just like putting it all out there. I think the, I think that was just something that he really wanted. I think that he um, had a complicated relationship with his mother that's com that's covered in the documentary and like didn't want to like he I think he just wanted attention basically so he started this uh is this boring no 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 okay so he started this um so he decided he's gonna do this art project and it's called quiet the first it's I think the full name is quiet we live in public but everyone just called it quiet and he did it like it was like to, meant to overlap with New Year's Eve 2000 so like 1999 to 2000 and everybody was scared of um the the Y2K everyone was scared of Y2K but they weren't scared and fucking Jeff Harris's like fucking place because they were too fucked up to even care about it so basically this art project and he got like real artists to come in and like help him like design everything and he got this giant warehouse in new york and he built these pods like one by one pods for people to live in and he there were like 200 people or something in there and he outfitted every single corner of the place with cameras and microphones. So everything was recorded constantly. The, there were no doors, like the bathroom was public. The shower was this like weird green pod that was see-through. And I think you could see it from like where everybody ate dinner and it was the only shower in the entire place. And it was also- Is it a bunker too? It's was it like, like all bunker, underground? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was underground. Yeah, I think it was like under an underground bunker, but it was like huge. It's like three stories. Mm -hmm. And um, he had a huge, like long sort of like royal style dining table that everybody could have like all the food that you wanted was provided for you. All the alcohol you wanted was provided. Any drug you wanted was provided. You could do whatever you wanted there was this weird one room that no one could go into that was like a church where you could hear sounds coming out of it but you could never go in ew there was a room that was an interrogation room where he and his like co-artists or whatever would ask people about their sexual history their drug history like their childhoods and basically break them and in the basement, there was a full arsenal with loaded guns. And this was his entire experiment. He was like, we're going to just do this. And so people were like clamoring to get into this art show. They were like, like cool people, junkies, like all kinds of like the kind of people that would have been at these parties were like, oh, like we want to do this. And to get in, you had to fill out this extensive questionnaire where you answered all of these, you gave your social security, exactly the same thing you do 
like what we give to the internet, which I think was sort of his point. Like you had to give all of this information about yourself, about your childhood, about your love life, about your sex life, about your sexual fantasies, about your drug history, about just, I mean, the most personal things about you. That was just to even get accepted. And then when you got in, they would give you these like, Orwellian sort of like jumpsuit things like these like uniforms that everybody wore and you would just go in and just hang out and that was it that was the whole thing and his quote of it that's like so chilling in the documentary where he's like everything is free the food's free the drugs are free everything is free except for the tape that we record of you that we own and that was the point that people were willing to give up anything in order to be seen. And people were like, I think at first it sort of had like a party atmosphere. Oh, were you going to say something? Yeah. Is it, is it about being seen or is it about, um, it's an, it's an exchange. Like from what I remember, he put ads like in alt weeklies all over the country. And a lot of people, like there were these cool party people that you're talking about, but from what I recall, the vast majority of people who, uh, participated in this were people who were homeless, who didn't have a lot of options, who were like, you know, looking for somewhere like safe and warm to spend a winter. And this guy is providing food and shelter and it's like, okay, yeah, it's an art project, but you know, what is your currency? Like it is kind of that thing you were saying at the beginning about like, um, you know, we, we are the products, like they, they were products. Were they doing it to, be seen or is being seen a byproduct of like this um I think a lot of them were I I mean I just watched the documentary the other day and like a lot of them seemed like very like seeny art people like the head curator for MoMA was there and like all of these people I there might have been people who were more like just looking for shelter and stuff I'm sure that was part of it um I mean, I think maybe I'm sure they were there too. I think it was like a lot of, I mean, there were like lines around the block to get into this thing. Like, I think it was a very like, I think it was like a cool thing to go do. And once you were in there, you couldn't leave, right? You had to like, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously I think you could technically leave, but once you left, you couldn't come back. I mean, they said you couldn't leave. I, I don't know if you really couldn't leave, but yeah. That was what they said. And it was just like, they wanted to, and the scariest part in the whole thing is this part where it's New Year's Eve and there's this drunk guy in the shower naked, everybody's naked. And there's a woman who's just totally out of her mind. And she's wearing this like lovely, like sequin, fun, like evening dress and she's fucked up she's like hanging from the rafters like literally hanging from a rafter and the guy is like she's gonna come in there with me and he runs out and grabs her and drags her into the shower with him and like rips her dress off 
and forces her into forces her to do it and it's all on film and it's all shown it's really uncomfortable it's obvious it's an obvious sexual assault and everybody is just standing around watching and when they talk to when they are talking to the camera they're like i mean this is totally crazy i'm just here watching two naked people in a shower like it's nothing and it's like you're not watching two naked people you're watching a woman having her clothes ripped off of her against her will while she's obviously struggling and that was like i think that's what made it always like so disturbing to me like that that scene where it was like people completely lose their humanity so anyway that night um (laughs) or the next day the NYPD came and shut the whole thing down. And it was sort of a, like, it it kind of, I think people were like at that point sort of brainwashed where they didn't want to leave. They were like begging to get back in. There's footage of like people being like, please. And him being like, get the fuck out. Just like pushing them out. Um, And yeah, as you said, like, he, I think the next logical step for him after that ended was to sort of turn the camera on himself and to do his own version of it. And that was when he ended up, he got this girlfriend who was um, a presenter on his show, on his channel, whatever it was called, Pseudo. And that was when they did the project called We Live in Public, which was where um, they lived together as a couple, but their entire house was covered in camera, the exact same thing. Their whole home was covered in cameras and they had watchers. Oh, wow. I thought that that was before. No, it was after. So they had like, um, they were like, they were, it was really similar to stuff that would happen now, but it was like crazy for the time. Like it was like, people were, um, like, the watchers would like type back to them and be like, tell them what to do or whatever. And like their relationship deteriorated. And again, in that version of it, where he turned the camera on himself, what do you think happens? A sexual assault with his girlfriend. Like his girlfriend clearly was like uncomfortable with this. And she's like, they're playing clips of the fights that they have. And she's like, I'm not going to be your porn star. Like, I don't want to do this. Cause she had to like have sex in front of all these people and stuff. She's like, I don't want to. And he like wants to have sex. And so like, that's what their fight is about. And so like, as their fight, they have a fight and she like goes over and she like gets on his lap and he like starts to try to like start having sex with her, I think. And she pulls away And he like grabs her and like forcefully like pulls her down on him. And it's like a terror, like to any woman that would be like a terrifying moment in the movie. And she freaks out rightfully so. And she's like, don't ever do that to me again. And she storms off. And that's kind of the beginning of the end of their relationship. And it made me, one thing that it made me think about was like, so I read this Wired article about the whole thing afterwards and it was like people said that Quiet, the art show that was like in the um, bunker or whatever, was like this is what you get when you have total freedom and the 
article is like, well, maybe this is what you get when you have total control because this person, he designed everything that these people yeah, were Matter of perspective, like whose freedom are you talking about? Yes, exactly. And it made me think of like, okay, so like he designed everything and this thing culminated in what was like a sexual assault. And when he did this for himself and he had no one, he was turning the camera on himself, it also culminated in essentially a sexual assault. And like, that was something that he couldn't predict. So it's like, yes, he predicted that we were gonna give our information and give our privacy over to the internet in this way that's like, I think it felt more scary in like when the movie first came out where you're like, oh my God, that's that is where society is going versus now where like we're already deep in it and it's not like surprising anymore. <laughs> but I feel like um, he he created this narrative. He didn't understand that like there would be people who you gave this information to who were then controlling how the narrative played out because now any action like what we saw in we live in public or quiet is completely unacceptable and no one would accept that on the internet the internet would like you know stop that behavior immediately and expose the person who did it and penalize them with like public shaming and fire like them losing their job if not like criminal charges because like different it's a different system that we're all operating under so that was the thing but like when he was controlling it because he was like this perverse person it like turned into this like perverted exercise Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I guess like the utopia is only as good as the people who are participating in it. And it's like his, he is, uh, you know, he's like manipulating a set of circumstances. I always thought that the arsenal was so sinister and uh of another like very disturbing aspect of it like he's putting elements like that shower exists because part of him like i mean you you want something to happen either because it's good television or it it, it will spur something it just feels like everything within that space was meant to provoke to like just continue to heighten the situation and am i wrong or was there a kid in there there was a kid there yeah one of the people brought their kid he was like an 11 year old and he like got he went and shot guns and stuff and there was a kid there i wonder where that kid is today i think his mom was i think his mom is in the documentary she's like one i think she got kicked out for biting somebody oh my god could you imagine biting somebody putting your teeth deep into somebody's arm or something and they had to they show them like walking out like angry her they that's when you learn that like that was her kid oh my god yeah 
yeah, I don't know. I think like all, all of this stuff is, it, it just, it's a reflection of us and um, it, yeah, I, I, I remember when we watched that documentary 10 years ago or whenever we watched it, I, I just, um, there's an emptiness to it that I still find really hard to connect to. And I, I don't know, I don't know if it is like a per, if it's like a purposeful thing, like to, to me, it just seems like creating a pressure cooker for the, the sake of making a pressure cooker. Like, I know that he's an artist because he says that he is, and that's all that is required. But I, I also think like, what's the, what's the point of doing that? Like, what is he, what is he saying? Except that if you build it, they will come. And if you like create a set of circumstances, people will bend to them. Like, okay. I, I mean, I, well, first of all, I don't think that he's like a good person and I don't think it was like a successful project because I feel like if you're doing a project and like someone actually gets hurt, then you've like lost the thread kind of. Um, but I feel like it was, I, I don't think, I don't really think he is an artist. Like, I guess he is whatever, but it's like, I think that he's a businessman who did a bunch of drugs and was like, I'm an artist now because I, I just like am starved for attention. Like, I think that he was just, I think he was having his version of like a public or like a social media meltdown before that existed. Like this was his version of it. Yeah. People just like thought he was cool because he had a lot of money. And if you give people food and drugs and alcohol, they're going to show up. Um, I mean, he spent millions of dollars on this. Like he had $80 million and he was like, I don't care. I don't want a wife. I don't want kids. I don't want anything. I just want to do this. This is my thing. This is what I'm going to do with my money. Wow. And he basically spent all of his money on that. And then he did the We Live in Public thing. And then he bought an apple farm and... Then he fucking expatriated to um, like Ethiopia. I, I hope trying it again. And he looks like Steve Bannon. He's got like a big Steve Bannon energy to me. Like yeah, it's chaos. It's like I, I I don't know. Yeah, guys like that. It feels like all they want to do is just see what they can get away with and see like what they can get the sheeple to fucking just do because we tell them to like, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, the, to me, the, the guy, what's his name again? Josh, Josh Harris, Josh Harris feels like, um, yeah, just like a void. Like it, it's, it's, it doesn't seem motivated uh, I mean, I don't know what it's motivated by, but it just seems like totally vacuous to me. So I feel like, okay, 
I don't think I feel like he's like a shark seeking like attention and control. Um, but I feel like the reason that it's interesting to people and they still think of, or maybe they don't think about it anymore, but like the reason that people were like in like 2010 or 2012, it's totally dated now. Like it's not really worth even watching anymore, but like I, I want, Oh, just to be clear, I do think that it's worth watching and I think it's interesting and I think it's worth talking about. And I think that he's significant, but I also think that he is a, an, an empty vacuous, um, like a uh, parasitic kind of person. He's a total, totally, 100%. I think so too. I think so too. I mean, the movie just feel like there's like a montage of like post 9-11 New York to Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. Like it just feels like, it feels like it's from a time and a place that is not our time and place now. It just feels dated kind of. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, like, that's what it is. But, like, I do feel like he had this understanding of, like, this one thing that he was right about. That doesn't mean he's right about everything. But he was right that people were going to give their identities over to corporations in exchange for attention and that the corporations were going to own those people's lives and do with them what they wanted. And that has happened. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, yeah, we were trending there um, as soon as like credit became a thing or maybe even earlier than that. I, uh, it's yeah, for, for that, that is, that is true. And you're not on Instagram right now, so you've probably missed this, but um, there's this thing that is going around today. So we're recording this. What day is this? This is Monday, July 27th, 2020. Yeah, I literally was going to say it's Friday. I am out of my mind. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So there's this thing that's going around and uh, if anybody has participated in this and know that I'm mentioning this not to like shame anybody or, or, or anything. Oh my because God. I, there are some really, uh, there, there are some women that I really like who are participating in this, but there's this thing that's going around. Um, it's a uh, pick. I, I got a DM from somebody and it was like, Hey, um, to show solidarity with other women, post a black and white selfie and tag it challenge accepted and then tag my name. And I'm saying this to you because you're a fierce woman, whatever the thing is. So I'm like, what is this? Like, this is like another chain letter and just like taking a general social temperature of the time, you know, I think we're, we're all trying to be careful about what we're posting, if we're posting, how we're promoting our projects or posting about ourselves, if at all, like, um, this is a time to be socially conscious, to raise awareness about other things, like, et cetera. So I'm skeptical since, I mean, and of course, Black Square Day is just the most- The day that will live in infamy. It's such a, it's just a perfect example. So this is like Black Square Daylight, but it's just, the point is to just post a picture of yourself and in 
and post it in black and white and write challenge accepted and to be like women support hashtag women supporting women what so I saw it this morning when I woke up this DM and I was like what is this I'm like I'm just gonna sit and wait and see how this un unfolds so then you start to see like black and white photos popping up and you know people are you're seeing like people are tagging people and it's like it's not about anything it's not saying anything it's not raising awareness it's not the the message is women supporting women what does that even what mean? does that mean it doesn't what does that mean let me tell you what i think it means i think that somewhere some women were like i haven't posted a selfie in oh my god a month and a half and You're I'm, right, going, Irene. I'm going crazy and girl will you just if i post a selfie will you post a selfie and can we just like oh post it i'm just going if i don't get likes on my selfie i'm gonna go crazy and it's like hashtag women supporting women it's like post it in black and white why it's like it's empty and it's meaningless it's totally just it's it's promoting yourself but why why the way that we're engaging with social media is especially in this moment i think that we are all we it, it would it would be in all of our best interests to really scrutinize how we are how we're interacting with these platforms and how we're like like what we're sharing and how we're sharing it if if the idea of a black square like everybody's posting it and you in you're not signal boosting you're actually deafening mm -hmm. uh people who are trying to communicate with each other yeah. which is what happened with all of that right. it just shows like how susceptible people are because they want to feed their egos and they want to like do the socially acceptable thing and they want to signal to their peers or friends that they are um you know like i'm listening i'm paying attention i'm supporting like I think in general, people just want to just like fly under the radar and just like do the bare minimum and also be liked at the same time. Of course. And when that intersects with like some, you know, a, 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 a critical time where like we need like all hands on tech, like it's, it's just like a, a, a toxic, bizarre, narcissistic waste of time. Which is like what it always, this is all it is. I mean, 90% of social media is that. Yeah. Like there are these rare accounts or posts or movements or whatever where like some marginalized voice that like wouldn't otherwise be heard gets heard and like, you know, people become aware of these things. But like, first of all, you have, we have no actual control over what information we're getting when or why that is all controlled by Facebook. Even if it's on Instagram, Instagram is owned by Facebook. Like we don't have it's all a means to sell you shit. A hundred percent of it, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything, all they want to do is sell you shit. So even if you become aware of these, and I do think social media is a huge part of why they're like, there's this sort of like uprising right now in this like kind of new renewed awareness or like new awareness for a lot of people of like the injustices that are happening in this country. But I, I also think that we should be suspicious or skeptical, at least, of like yes. anything that we're getting from social media. Because we like, it's like what's in that 
hypernormalization, like we don't have real, we don't know why we're seeing what we're seeing when it doesn't, we don't always know it could be for any reason. So it just like, it feels like a free flow of information, but it's not, it's all a capitalist, a capitalistic venture by people who are trying to make money off it. That's what all social media is. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and they are, um, the, uh, there's a documentary about, um, Cambridge analytics and, uh, how, uh, how they used Facebook obviously to like brainwash our parents and grandparents (laughs) and, um, turn everybody into like rabid, insane Trump supporters. They've all gone freaking crazy, man. They've, They've all gone crazy because, um, they, you know, these companies have figured out how to use the algorithm so well that, uh, you know, they trick people and make it think that it's their idea. Like it's not science fiction. This is the actual reality that we're living in. And that Cambridge analytics documentary, which I think is on HBO, it, it talks about like how valuable our information is. It's, Mm -hmm. it's more valuable than oil by like an astronomical, amount yes just we give it away for free and the thing of like oh i was just thinking something and then i got an ad for it that's crazy how that happened or oh i i mentioned x and then i i saw it in my gmail like targeted ads or whatever and it's like oh you you had your bluetooth off it's not reading your mind it's like predicting what you're going to do based on your past behaviors like it's already so deeply embedded yes it's like more deeply embedded than we could ever know and our information is so unbelievably valuable and the way that they've got it i think is by like having our entire generation this is my conspiracy theory this isn't part of the larger conversation but i think that they got people in our generation to completely undervalue ourselves to be like you should work for free put all your shit on the internet who cares about you why do you think that you should be private on the internet what you think you're so fancy someone is going to stalk you who gives a shit tell everybody everything it doesn't matter this is just for your friends no one's going to see it who cares and it's like the idea I feel like when Facebook and all this shit first came out, the idea that you would want privacy was like almost seen as like snobby or something. Like you would think that you were so important that anybody would care about your, about your stuff. Just put it out there. I, I don't know where I got that idea, but I just felt like being public was like a normal part of being on all social media. And we all everything on there. Now it's been on there for like literally our entire adult lives and that's it. Yeah, I remember when um, Diary Land, oh my god, live journal. Wow, Irene, I know I'm elderly. I uh, I remember just like writing diary posts, just like writing and writing and writing. Who the fuck? First of all, who the fuck wants to read that? But what it does is it conditions you to share your thoughts. That uh, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good. it's it's good i think about these kids in like i don't know south dakota or something like some freaky teen in a small ass town who's like i'm alone uh nobody on earth understands me and they find um deviant art (laughs) yes exactly they they find and they're like oh there's more people like me like i'm not alone like i'm a creative person i deserve to be happy that's great that's like the 
the best of it. But the the bigger thing is, um, you know, we are we're we're just we're we're here to spend money and to be as productive as possible so that uh, the people who outrank us can line their pockets so they'll be safe when environmental collapse comes around in 20 years. I hate them. Oh my God. Let's, we got to move to fucking Colorado, dude. What's in Colorado? That's where, you know, that's where you're safe. That's the safest place to be in America. Why? The altitude. That's why, you know, the, there's like the Denver airport and the whole thing with the, you know, the queen of England buying a bunch of land around there. And there's a whole conspiracy theory about Denver. I know about the weird murals. I didn't know that the altitude made you safer. Do they have good water supply? Uh, I don't know. It's yeah, I guess so. Well, you know, it's the Rockies. I guess they have like snowfall and stuff, but, um, it's the altitude it just makes you safer because it's like it makes you safe from like flood fire and like ground attacks oh my god we live in private (laughs) um well do you have anything else to say about our our topic of requests no i think we covered it all i hope that my part was interesting i feel like it was just me monologuing about this documentary i watched but still no we but we it, it was great i i love to think about this and you introduced me to this documentary a long time ago and i remember us having a um a rowdy conversation at the time i'm sure we did i don't remember it i was probably under the influence me too because that's how we roll together on this bitch should we do another should we get another thing let's do another one i honestly think this is kind of fun i love it i'm loving it so much um oh god that's a name generator i don't want that i don't want a random name generator i want a random word generator word generator i got one already you did yeah okay go for it give me the goods okay orange orange yeah orange you glad i didn't say nationalism yes i am is that one good should i pick another one no that's great that's fine orange all right no trump no abstract how how thrilling I don't know what. All right. So we're going to talk about orange next week. All right. Laurent. Oh my God. This is fun. This is fun. Okay. Aggie. Well, you're a real expert tonight. You're, you know what? You made me an expert on fucking last as meals. Don't forget if you're going to kill somebody, feed them well. You don't want a ghost hanging around. You don't want to go to hell or become a ghost or have a ghost on you. Nope. Those are the two rules. That's right. All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Oh, and rate us. Why don't you give us some five stars and like give us a little note? Please give us five stars. We would love it. We would, we would, um, we'll give you a little shout out on our Instagram. We will. There you go. There's a promise. Bye. Bye.